As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The night is loud, boisterous, and full of flavor. An underworld party celebrating the weekend is in high gear. Relaxing comfortably in a separated room from the festivities at hand, the crime boss Kingpin reflects on recent times. Lighting a cigar and sampling some delicate sushi, Kingpin ponders on the moves he's made and the moves yet to come. It is then that he starts feeling unbelievably ill and clutching his stomach, pushes his way to the nearest restroom in search of relief. Retching loudly, Kingpin catches a glimpse of someone in his blind spot and turns around only to see Agent 47 brandishing his signature fiber wire. With nowhere to go and no one to help, Kingpin goes on the attack and this is one mark who will not go down quietly. It's Tobias Reaper versus Wilson Fisk. It's a bald guy in a suit versus a bald guy in a suit. It's Agent 47 versus Kingpin. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus Ray. Today's matchup is another classic in the making. On one side, you've got Agent 47 from the incredible Hitman game series. Of course, everyone knows that. But on the other side, you've got one of Marvel's most brilliant criminal bosses of all time, the Kingpin, one of my personal favorites. Of course, this matchup is amazing. It, it's something that the production team took a lot of time to figure out, but put a lot of thought into. So, of course, I did the patented who would win Google search. Now, Ray, you've heard of Google, correct? I am aware of that number. That's fair. It's, it's, it's on the internet, evidently. Anyway, so we put this match into Google, trying to see if anyone's ever talked about it before. 
Oddly enough, quite a few people have discussed this specific matchup, but as usual, it's never come to a conclusion. People didn't create a format to really see who would win. Of course, that's why our show is a thing. So we have the final time, the ultimate time to make up the absolute decision on who would win between Kingpin and Agent 47. Ray, what do you think about today's matchup? I'm very excited about today's matchup. Some people might say, you know, it's the who would win show. This one's a little on the nose for you guys. As I said, a bald guy in a suit versus a bald guy in a suit. The similarities really end there. That's you it. have two very different characters who look kind of similar in that they're bald in a suit, but who cares? You know, sometimes the people, when they get non-creative, stumble accidentally into a great idea, and this is one of those times. This was a very mentioned matchup. We just had to do it. That's true. Look, look great. I got to tell you something. We've been on a roll lately. We've been having some great shows. We've had some great guests on the show, great judges. Uh, you know, social media is blowing up. The reviews are coming in. Everything is great. But, you know, with all the great stuff, we also have, you know, once in a while, some legit constructive uh, criticisms. Of course, I'm using Outrageous. air quotes. I know, air quotes for constructive criticism. So let's go over a couple of those right now. You know, I'm hoping that we can find something really cool with this and maybe improve the show. Who knows? So the first constructive criticism suggested to us was that evidently Ray needs to be fact-checked and that I, James Gadsy, let's Ray get away with too much. Ray, what are your thoughts on that piece of constructive criticism? I know that some of our fan base are idiots and sometimes wow. they out themselves very publicly. In this particular case, you'd better hide the name of that person from me because I will go flame war upon flame war upon their houses. That being said, I work overtime to make sure every single statement I say on the show is technically true. And so I am outraged at the concept that anybody would think I would promote falsehoods. James, you are the one who speaks in half-truths, lies, and half-lies all over the place. And I have to be on my toes and do double the work that you do because you are so shifty and because you are so shady. That's almost hurtful. The way you put it that way. No, I'm not going to stop doing that. Actually, I do a lot of research as well. The thing is, look, I don't mean to come to your defense, Ray, but you put a lot of time and effort into each and every character you rep into each and every episode. Some would argue far too much, namely my wife. That's fair. I did get that email. But here's the thing. You got to do it because I'm going to do the same thing. You say I speak in half-truths. I say that you, uh, you know, I'm surprised you can actually read the comic books, but whatever. We both come to a consensus that, you know, we do a lot of work for this. I say we ignore that piece of constructive criticism, uh, criticism completely. Let's move on. Now, the other one, I don't like this one at all. Wow, this is not good at all. The other concern that this person has is that James Gabsy is overall too nice. I got some thoughts about that. Ray, what do you think? This is absolutely ridiculous. They talk about me spreading lies when I tell all the truth, and they say you're too nice. What is happening on this show? All right, look. Where uh, are the awkward allies when I need them? Emphasis on awkward. Here's the thing. You got to really avoid mistaking my kindness for some type of weakness. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm too nice. Look, when we debate, when we do the Who Would Win show, I'm not just trying to win the debate. I'm trying to understand what the judge needs to see. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to sway the judge. Sometimes, Ray, we've talked about this. Sometimes if we start pointing out too many things that we think are wrong with the other person's debate, the judge actually doesn't like that and starts to side against that just because they're getting annoyed. So mm-hmm. you got to figure out what the judge wants, what how to win the debate. There's a lot of things flying around. I'm not too nice. Moving on. That's all the constructive criticism I have for this. Uh, That's Speaking, yeah, speaking, I just need to calm down for a second. Speaking of greatness, by the way, which is what both of us do for the show, it's time to introduce our guest judge, 
making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show. You'll recognize him from the past 11 seasons on The Simpsons. It's Pathfinder from Apex Legends. It's, of course, Chris Edgerly. Chris, welcome to the Who Would Win show. Hello, and thank you for having me. Well, you know, Chris, we, we, we kind of made a joke before the show. You know, uh, I'm very familiar with your work, of course. Big fan. Went through your IMDb. It, it's kind of easier to talk about what you haven't been on versus <laughs> everything you have been on in such a big and masterful way. So for, for the, our fans, what would you say is the biggest thing you're working on right now that you're allowed to talk about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you get into what I'm allowed to talk about. It's almost nothing. I mean, <laughs> you would think I was just unemployed. But uh, I mean, we're recording new Simpsons episodes all the time, you know, 22 a year. And I usually manage to pop in there in some random fashion amidst all the greatness that's already in that show. And I did uh, something that just came out called Record of Ragnarok. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. And that was just some anime dubbing that I did. Uh, I don't want to make light of it. It's not just some anime dubbing, but it's the English language performance of the Zeus character in Record of Ragnarok. Awesome. So that's, Small that's new on Netflix. Yeah. And it's, yeah. But I mean, this is Zeus as a completely <laughs> out there, out off, I mean, off his rocker, off his meds, every single thing you could think of old man that also can kick your butt. And so, I mean, speaking of who would win, it's like mortals versus immortals. And it's, uh, it's anime. What can I say? It's, it's as crazy as you think anime would be. That sounds so, fantastic. Yeah. You, know, you know, speaking of immortal, there's one uh, credit that you have that to me is the most impressive out of everything. Uh, you played Abe Lincoln in an episode of Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, where... <laughs> Which where, I've never seen. I've never seen the episode. Oh, you better see it, sir. Okay. You better see it. You got to play with one of the uh, greatest talents of all time, Betty White. Quick question. White. Is is she as strong as I think she is? She is uh, actually uh, deceptively strong and agile. Mm -hmm. And if you creep up behind her and try to get her in a rear mount, she will totally flip you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next thing you know, you'd be begging for mercy. So, yeah, I remember know, she yeah. won that uh, parkour championship on ESPN eight a few years ago. So she's on the Ocho. Uh, on yeah. the Ocho, she's mm -hmm. she's good to go. Last question for you, Chris. You, you've done so much great stuff. Clearly, you've got a lot of fans, but clearly, you've probably had some constructive criticism. I could ask you what some of that is. I don't care. I'm more interested in how you would deal with that person face to face who gave you the constructive criticism. <laughs> yeah. What would you do about <laughs> it? If it's constructive criticism then I, I'm always going to be nice. I mean, obviously, these are uh, pandemic times, sure. which we're pulling out of. True. So it's been a while since I've been face-to-face -face with anyone who's been <laughs> an appreciator of my work. And I guess I have to go back to maybe uh, a convention or something. And people are always very nice. And so sometimes people will give you criticism and they really think they're being constructive, but they're just slapping you repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> just and and all you can do is just say thank you i thank you for taking the time to consider my performance and and that's it because if you think they're just trying to get a rise out of you you can actually do the exact same thing which is well thank you very much i hope you have a nice day you know <laughs> just just go pathfinder on them thanks friend <laughs> And, and just don't give them the pleasure because uh, I don't know if you heard, but the Internet does have the occasional troll. What? 
What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm not familiar people, with that. People What's... who don't always argue in good faith. What? And, uh, yeah, they, they may not uh, actually uh, be genuine That's in, in their uh, I'm so yeah. I'm so not familiar so, with, yeah. with, the, with what you're saying. <laughs> we got some great advice from Chris. We have an insane battle. We've got Ray. We've got James. We've, we've got, got Apex Legends July. All the month of July, we have judges from and around the game Apex Legends Come on, people. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. I guess we're doing it. So with all that said, uh, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing IO Interactive, the hitman who would give you the shirt off his back if he found an appropriate security guard outfit to replace it with, Agent 47. And representing Marvel Comics, the crime boss who can not only run a city's underworld, he can also beat Woody Harrelson in bowling, Kingpin. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, Ray, I'm not as familiar with Agent 47 as you are. Which version, if there are multiple versions, which version will you be using today? Today we'll be using the video game version of Hitman Agent 47. Just over 20 years of games, all with one timeline. Here we go. Wow, so there's a lot of continuity there. Okay. Now, I'm using the Kingpin, of course. I was looking, oddly enough, I did consider the uh, Vincent D'Onofrio version. Um, Also, the Kingpin from um, Into the Spider-Verse. That person's got super strength, super durable. But I'm going to do something different, Ray. I'm going to go with the current Marvel 616 version of the Kingpins, pretty much because he's got 50 years of history and some insane feats within that history as well. All oh, right, now, you using the comic book version. This is this is original and new. Why, why not try something different, Ray? You know, it's all good. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, Race to Canis, but we'd be given less weight, Race to Canis. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates the rules or established logic. You know, it, it, these are good rules. These are established rules. Ray, I'm telling you, I'm staying within the rules of this battle today. you mm-hmm. got to trust me. On this. It's totally going to happen. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, these great, amazing mugs, and all of the Who Would Win merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new merch all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up 
with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Who Would Win is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Look, we've all been there, and a good therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist can literally be life-changing, and it's never been easier to find one now with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with one in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally accessible in many areas, but the good news is that this service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com www that's better h-e-l-p and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional BetterHelp is offering who would win listeners and fans 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com slash www again that's 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash www And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Agent 47. Agent 47, a.k.a. Hitman, is the world's greatest assassin. He was designed by Jacob Anderson and first appeared in the video game Hitman Codename 47 in 2000. Agent 47 is a genetically enhanced clone with the DNA of five men from all around the world who became originally known as the Five Fathers. He was created as the master plan of a man named Otto Ortmeier, who wanted an army of fully obedient superhumans at his command. 47 ended up breaking free of that situation through murder and joined the International Contract Agency, or ICA, to ply his trade around the world to the highest bidders. Fun fact, Agent 47 has been played in the games by South African actor David Battison for the entirety of his existence. 
But when it came time for the movie adaptation, Battison attempted to audition, but he found the first choice to play Agent 47 was Vin Diesel. Yes, the Bloodshot and Fast and Furious star was originally the studio's first choice at the role, which eventually went to Timothy Oliphant, who did a job. And that is Hitman Agent 47. Vin Diesel, I actually think, could have pulled this off in a really weird... I don't know, but nothing It would have been a very different movie, let me put it out there. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well done right now. Here are the details for the Kingpin. The Kingpin, otherwise known as Wilson Fisk, was created by Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. and first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 50 back in July of 1967. The Kingpin is portrayed as one of the most feared and powerful crime bosses in the Marvel Universe, typically holding the position of New York City's crime overlord. Initially an adversary of Spider-Man, the character later became the arch enemy of Daredevil and a recurring foe of the Punisher. IGN lists Kingpin as uh, number 10, actually, in the top 100 comic book villains of all time. Wilson Fisk began his life as a poor child in New York City, bullied by his classmates due to his obesity. Just like me, by the way. Unlike me, however, Fisk began training himself in physical combat, using his newfound strength to intimidate the bullies into joining his gang. He was eventually discovered by crime lord Don Rigoletto, and Fisk became Don Rigoletto's bodyguard and right-hand man. Eventually, no surprise here, Fisk killed Don Rigoletto and took control of his criminal empire, becoming one of the most powerful figures in New York's underworld. And here's an interesting fact about the Kingpin. Did you know that casting an actor for the role of Kingpin is actually super hard? It's true. When casting, right, makes sense. When casting directors had to find the right actors to portray the massive Kingpin, there weren't nearly as many great options as for the character like Tony Stark and Iron Man. In the Daredevil film, remember that from the early 2000s, the massive and absolutely awesome Michael Clark Duncan was perfectly cast for the role. Weighing in at 290 pounds, the production team actually said, hey, would you mind beefing up to 330 just to be on the same side? So, of course, he's like, done and done. Did heavy powerlifting, ate like crazy, got it, looks great. However, when it came time for his stunt double to step in and, and you know do all the action, the director said he could immediately see the difference between the two people because there was no agile stunt person at... 330 pounds, 6'5", whatever he was. So Michael Clark Duncan actually had to do all of his stunts. That is him 100% of the time within that original Daredevil film. So go back and watch it. I'm sure they'll actually appreciate it if you did. If you remember him doing like the flips through the air, the parkour and all that kind of good stuff, he did that at 330. I'm kidding, of course. He did none of that. He was not an agile guy. He could just punch really hard. And that is the kingpin. Now, with all that being said, you have the facts on both opponents, Chris. Do you have any questions before we get started? Did uh, Wilson Fisk ever really reach the Billboard chart heights of Hold On after that album, or was it just sort of a big drop-off after that? Because I didn't hear much from them, you know, and that was my... Well, unfortunately, there was a big boycott of Wilson Fisk once some of those underworld activities were made uh, public, and nobody bought those albums anymore. It's really disappointing. Thankfully, though, I believe Wilson did get a job in daytime TV, so that worked out. Uh, That worked out. Yes, yes. (laughs) With all that being said, Ray, let's go ahead. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Agent 47. Let's just talk about the fact that he's the world's greatest assassin and exactly what that means. Because he was already super talented. He'd already killed a whole bunch of people before he joined the ICA and went through all of their intense, hardcore training. You know, the ICA set up little, basically little towns with actors all around it so he could practice moving around in broad daylight while fitting in and get around the places as he needed 
needed to to kill his targets and get away safely. He's had some of the most elite assassin training you could have ever had. What does that mean? It means that he likes to kill people. I don't know if he likes it. He's just real, real good at it. If he takes out a contract on you, you are gone. You really have no chance. The only choice really is to try to extend your life slightly because once he takes a contract, it cannot be called off. And he does not stop until he completes that deal. And up to this point, he's batting 1,000 as far as his contracts go. Now, he likes a whole lot of different weapons. You know, his famed weapon is the fiber wire, which is the piano wire between the two sticks. You've seen it all the time in all kinds of different hitman and gangster films. He likes to get in behind his opponent, get in behind his victim, his target, and he likes to wrap it around his neck and pull real tight, and then that's it for you. I know Wilson Fisk is a big guy, and he's got a big neck. One other thing I also know about Wilson Fisk is he got to breathe. He needs air to survive. So a fiber wire around the neck is going to do just fine against him. But also, he uses an array of handguns. He has what are known as the silver ballers, which are two silenced pistols, which he's an unbelievable shot at. He could walk into a room and essentially headshot every single person that he wants to, every single person that he needs to. However, he really doesn't like collateral damage if he can help it because that's a little bit sloppy. Ideally, 47 will go in, He'll take out his target, he'll hide the body, and he'll escape, and nobody will have seen anything, nobody will know what to do, because he's that good. Additionally, though, when he's feeling a little sassy, when he's feeling a little saucy, he's also perfectly trained in submachine gun fire, he's specially trained in shotguns, he uses an array of poisons, whether they be in the form of edible poisons that he puts in someone's drink, or puts in someone's food, or he also likes to carry around syringes that will either kill you if he injects you with them, because it's it's an untraceable, unbeatable poison, or it's one that makes you sick. So he'll take you out of the area because you'll go somewhere to, you know, barf a little bit, and then he'll take you out while you're occupied with your stomach problems. And he likes explosions. He loves bombs of all kinds. He'll set bombs that will be remote access. If you walk near them, proximity alert goes off and you blow up. He'll hide one in a trash can. And then he's a master of getting you worked around to a situation where he gets you near the trash can. He presses the button, the trash can blows up, and then you're going as well. But he's also got hidden ones. He hides explosives in baseballs, golf balls, exploding pens that he will throw, stick you in the head, and then explode your face. Again, what's Wilson Fisk going to do when an exploding ballpoint pen is lodged an inch deep into his head and detonates? The answer is not a whole heck of a lot. And the last thing to talk about here is... If all of this close-up stuff doesn't work and Hitman Agent 47 looks at Kingpin and goes, yo, I don't want to get close to this guy. He's a big monster. He loves using sniper rifles and he always has one stashed away somewhere nearby. He really doesn't go to a location unless a sniper rifle is somewhere. So he might absolutely find his way to re retract from the situation, get at a distance, pull out the sniper rifle and pick off Wilson Fisk from a distance. All this said, Wilson Fisk is not surviving an encounter against Agent 47. I don't know exactly how it goes down. I just know that it does. And that's my point number one. 
This is all interesting because, again, I'm not that familiar with the Hitman universe. So I got a couple of questions. In the Hitman universe and the gameplay, are there people with superpowers? There are large people. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, is there a Superman or a Spider-Man or Captain America type right. walking around? The answer is no. Got it. One of the closest he got recently is a character who uh, is a superhero Iron Man star, but he is on a movie set. He's not actually a superhero, <laughs> but his outfit is completely bulletproof and, uh, you know, is well armored. He still, he still found a way to take him out, though. Got it. Okay, so you know it's funny. The wire. I don't think that's a that's a strangulation, right? If I'm not mistaken, that hits the carotid arteries. You're getting um, the arteries. You're getting the windpipe. You're getting everything important happening in the neck area at the same time. Got it. So with a big neck like that, and unfortunately, I know all about this stuff. Don't ask me why. But a strangulation is going to hit the carotid arteries before it's going to hit the windpipe with someone with the neck like a uh, kingpin. And Very the possible. problem is the problem is with the neck muscles and all that. You know, Hegan Machado has big jiu-jitsu guy legend has this neck that is huge it's real hard to choke him out with anything trust me i've tried so i'm not so sure that wire is going to be that effective finally the big question is what does he have on him you mentioned all this cool stuff he's got but what does he have when he's like he's just walking around somewhere what is on his person it's really hard to tell because when you play the games and when you see him, he seems to have, when in the, in the cutscenes, he seems to have whatever he wants at the moment. And when you play the game, he kind of just has a couple of items of whatever you say that he has walking in, whether it be a poison, whether it be a bomb, whether it be a stashed shotgun or sniper rifle or to that effect. He always carries with him those silver baller pistols, though. That is important to note. But other than that, it's very much up to the player. So I'd like to believe in these types of encounters, if he's just walking around, he probably has a poison syringe of some kind, and he also probably has an explosive device of some kind. Got it. Okay. So he's kind of like, you know, I hate to say it, like a Batman in terms that he's got stuff on him. You don't see necessarily where it is, but it's he's either got compartments, pockets, whatever, that stores all of this stuff. Would that be a safe assumption? Oh, absolutely. And he also has a very high-level cognitive skill that he can see where stuff is in the environment around him and what he might need to grab for later use. Got it. He has eyes. He can see things. It's, it goes so much more than that, James. That's it's fair. So That's more. fair. I just I just like how you say it. And by the way, there's a sense he has that has when vibrations come. Yeah, he can hear things as well. That's great. All right, let me get to my point number one. And that's all very impressive stuff with uh, Agent 47 that he can see and hear. Let's talk about the Kingpin. And let's just go with the obvious. The Kingpin's a big guy. He's a very, very big guy. But he has so much more going for him than just size. So... He's 6'7", he weighs well over 450 pounds, but he's not fat. That is, if you go to the Marvel Wiki and you know, the history of the Kingpin, you realize he looks like a big, kind of overweight, obese guy. You think he can't move that fast? Uh-uh, that's what everyone thought the first time they met him. Then they realized real quick, that is wrong. So first of all, he's developed his muscle size to be massive. So evidently in Marvel, when you're a sumo person, you develop large muscles that are very thin. You don't have like a six-pack as much as you have like a, a keg. But it's all solid muscle kind of thing. Let's see. He moves also much faster than he looks, but more on that later. Uh, now, how strong is the Kingpin? According to Marvel, this is interesting. They say he can press 650 pounds, but there's actually in some of his battles where he picked up a barbell weighing over 1,250 pounds and used it as a weapon. 
So that sounds a lot stronger than being able to like clean and jerk 650 pounds CrossFit style versus picking up a dumbbell that's you know well over half a ton and swinging around like it's you know your your chain or whatever you're using it. In terms of strength, he can crater the floor when he punches it, make holes in the floor when he punches the floor. He can crush a man's head easily in one hand, which is always fun at parties. He crushes rocks the same way. He took a steel chair between both his hands and just crushed it together. This is a strong, powerful guy. In his first fight with Spider-Man, this is where he used that barbell, the 1,250-pound barbell, and used that as a bat against Spider-Man and hit him with it. How strong do you have to be to pick up something that's over 1,000 pounds and use that like a bat? Very strong. Uh, he's strong enough to rip a staircase out of a wall. That alone, when he was fighting Spider-Man, he did that. I mean, Spider-Man saying, I quote, Yow, tearing the staircase right off the wall. You sure you're not a mutant or something? This is something a lot of the people he faces, the like Kingpin faces, start to wonder, is this guy really human or is there something more here? Uh, he's strong enough to punch Spider-Man through a wall. He can tear down a building from the inside, causing it to crash down, with which he walks out of it no problem. Here's my favorite evidently in one one comic book there's a demon it looks like a dragon that's flying around his office because you know i hate it when that happens in my office luckily i could stay at home this year and the demons coming you know just making everyone scream he's attacking people kingpin comes out of another door bothered by all the noise the brouhaha as he says it sees the demon and punches it in the face and completely obliterates it what do i mean by that it disappears. It vaporizes. He punched it so hard, the demon like got destroyed completely. All that was left was a puff of smoke. But he's not just I don't again, I don't even know how that works, but it's just fun. It was fun to read. He's not just strong, he's also super fast. He's fast enough to take out five mobsters at close range, all firing at him. These were five people, machine guns, all firing at the kingdom. They had him surrounded. He got out of the way of the gunfire somehow and took them all out in seconds. He's fast enough to catch a boomerang thrown at him. There's, a guess, I guess, this marks person or marksman called Boomerang, because that's imaginative, threw a boomerang kingpin. Kingpin got out of the way and caught it as he got out of the way. He's that fast. He's fast enough to do that really fun, cool trick where a samurai sword's coming at you. He dodges it and then double hand claps it and then breaks the sword after because, you know, he's the kingpin. That's what he does. Kingpin grabbed Deadpool during a fight so fast and by such a surprise that Deadpool thought to himself, and again, I quote, whoa, forgot how fast Fat Boy is. So the bottom line is that Kingpin is actually fast enough to dodge bullets. He's strong enough to rip staircases out of wall. Staircases, Ray. By all means, by Marvel's definition, this guy is superhuman. That's what Agent 47 is facing. You said it yourself. Not a lot of superhumans running around there. That's my point number one. Of course, Wilson Fisk is a big, tough, strong guy. Like, that's why he is impressive in this fight. The thing is, 47 is going to see a man of his size, and he might try to engage him in one-on-one -on -one fisticuffs, but I'd like to believe 47's a little bit smarter than that. I'll get into it more in my point number two, but you talked about Kingpin punched out a, a demon, and I think that's real exciting. In one of the older Hitman games... Agent 47 walked into, I believe, a bathroom, and there was a ghost in there, a ghost of a dead guy in the bathroom. And one thing that you can do in the game is you can fiber wire Garot the ghost. I don't know exactly how you use fiber wire against a ghost, <laughs> but Agent 47 did, and he murdered the ghost. So even if you're dead, Agent 47 might still kill you. And I think that's an important point to make. That is very impressive. Like, I'm not going to lie. That is very impressive. I do think punching a flying dragon demon who's intent on eating and killing you and punching it so hard in the face that it disappears in a puff of smoke, vaporizes in a small explosion, maybe slightly more impressive. But we'll leave that up to the judge. So, Chris, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far in this battle? I have to tell you, when Ray got finished with his point, 
I thought, I think this is already over. Wow. I mean, I a guy a who's genetically built to kill. And he's never, what, one of my first questions is going to be, well, has he ever failed to fill a contract? Apparently not. He's literally never failed to kill someone that he decided he was going to kill. And then you, you listed the array of ways he can do it. He isn't just brute force. There's finesse. There's surreptitiousness. If that's a word. If Good not, one. it is now. It is now. I'll, I'll yeah, it is now. But, and I have a big but, that my wife says. Wow. <laughs> Kingpin is not just this human who hit the gym. Like you say, after James made his point about the apparent limits of what Kingpin is able to do physically, I now think that there's just no way that Hitman could take him on one-on-one close combat. I think he loses that. I mean, this is the way I'm leaning. He would lose that. And so right now, short of not knowing where they're fighting, how they're fighting, I would I would give the edge to Kingpin. It's just the way I'm leaning because what's Hitman going to do? Come at him with a syringe? There's no way he's going to get it. First of all, would it get in him? Could he penetrate his skin with it? We don't even know. I mean, I'm sure Kingpin has bled. I'm sure he's gotten a scrape here and there. So I, I, I got to tell you, without knowing more, if they were just to go at it, I would lean Kingpin. But Hitman has his, again, he has his array of ways to, to do things. So mm-hmm. you, you don't know where the fight's going to go, what range or what have you, but that's an interesting observation on your part. And, and just to let the fans know, we've been here before where one person's leaning more to one side or the other, but then the other side comes out. So I never count Race to Canis out ever yeah. of a battle because I know better at this point. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Agent 47. Let's talk a little bit about the creative ways that he likes to kill people, as well as the array of disguises that he likes to use as well. Because if Hitman, Hitman is first off, he is a genetically enhanced uh, character. We have said that. Kingpin, he's not necessarily genetically enhanced. He's just super strong and he's got a lot of willpower. That's great. One of the things that Hitman can do, and he's shown in the games over and over again, is he can change his entire outfit from one outfit, including face paint, hats, wigs, whatever, into another in four seconds time. If even in four seconds, Hitman can turn his appearance into literally anybody else in the world. So if the battle starts out and you've got Hitman and you've got you've got Agent 47 and you've got Kingpin squaring each other down, 47 might not really want any piece of Kingpin. He might see this guy's real big. It would not be smart. And Agent 47 is a genius level character. It would not be smart of me to try to take him on. I haven't fulfilled every single contract on the board because I walked in and tried to punch a guy in the face. He's way smarter than that. So I could absolutely see a world where Hitman is able to use stealth. He's a very stealthy character. He knows where to hide. He knows how to hide. He knows how to get out of people's sights and evade them when they're trying to find him. It's a big part of all the games. He could absolutely hide, disguise himself as, say, a bodyguard, disguise himself as a security guard, disguise himself as part of the wait staff of the hotel that they're staying in. Anybody that he can find, he can knock unconscious and steal their outfit very, very quickly and possibly be able to get the drop on Kingpin, who will not see it coming. He'll be looking for a guy wearing a black suit, you know, with the black gloves and the red tie. That might not necessarily be the direction and angle that Agent 47 is coming from. So when it comes to being sneaky, 
I don't think Kingpin can be sneaky in any possible way, given his size and his general way of being. But Agent 47 can. So if this gets down to a battle of wills or smarts or who's more creative, Agent 47 is going to pull this out each and every single time because he sees the world differently. He sees the world with something called instinct, which means that he has a way of sort of using uh, it's very similar to what Batman uses in his video games. Hitman uses that in his games to kind of see the environment, have whoever he needs to kill being very, very clear. He can see people through walls using instinct. He can see people above, below, wherever it is. And he can also see highlights of different objects that might be usable in order to kill him because that's just representative of how fast his brain can go. You got to remember, Hitman's a guy who can pick up a screwdriver, throw it, and murder you with it. If he could throw a screwdriver that will embed itself into your head with perfect accuracy in a way that will kill you outright, that's the level of murderousness. I don't know if that's a word. It is now. That's the level of murderousness that Agent 47 is bringing to the table. He's been known to drop chandeliers on people in any given circumstance. He's been known to shoot out the floor from somebody so they fall off a cliff to their death through a glass, what, hot tub. He's done that before. Of course, he's gotten behind people and broken their neck and used the fiber wire, but I have to believe Hitman's going to lean a lot heavier on his weapons, his explosives, and his guns, and try to get this off at medium range from behind using stealth or a disguise than he's ever going to use in a one-on-one fight leaning forward. And that's my point number two. See, this is what I love about this character is that they're very versatile. They know how to go into any environment and use that environment. I, is that a correct statement, Ray? Oh, 100%. Yes. Okay, he great. Does it, he has often has prior knowledge of kind of the area he's in, but a lot of it he figures out along the way and finds a path to success for his contract just from listening to people talk or, or just seeing things on the ground and seeing opportunities that other people wouldn't see because he's trained to murder. Got it. Now, an interesting thing you said in your point number one, you said that evidently they're staying at a hotel. Is that correct? I mean, that was what I postulated for the cover story of why they're fighting. Doesn't have to be, but I think it makes a lot of sense for them to be fighting in that type of an environment. Is it a nice hotel? It would have to be Kingpin staying there. Good room service? Oh, I would think so. Can I, you know, cancel my reservation without having to pay an extra fee? Oh, definitely not. Okay, got it. So it's not the best hotel, but it's not bad. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Kingpin's actually employed and, and very familiar with characters who have similar characteristics as Hitman, especially Hitman's or Agent 47's impressive ability to, to kind of change himself up and be a chameleon. So uh, Kingpin's actually employed a character named the Chameleon. Someone who can literally almost has a super ability to change into anything, mimic voices, do whatever it is, and go the extra mile to become, truly become that person. So he's familiar with that as a possibility. Agent 47 is really cool. What'd you call it? His instinct, that kind of really cool mm-hmm. like sight he's got. He's very familiar. He's fought characters who have something even better than that. He's very familiar with Spider-Man, who has a spider sense, and he's actually fought very successfully against Spider-Man with that spider sense. So with that being said, I don't know how effective that instinct will be overall in gaining the win so let me get to my point number two to kind of make this really clear you don't have a 50-year history in marvel comics without having some crazy skills and some crazy feats i just want to kind of go over this for a little bit you know first of all kingpin talking about agent 47 
Kingpin is actually also a legit genius. He's got a super high EQ and IQ. Remember, he came from the slums, had to work his way up through a criminal organization, took it over, and is now known around the world as this this, uh, criminal boss of bosses. Let's see. He can figure out things out like someone's weaknesses, their intentions, or motivations super fast. How strong is his will, by the way? There's a character called the Purple Man who has this superpower to put anyone under his spell and give them commands and they have to follow him. He tried that like some powerful Jedi mind trick on Kingpin, and Kingpin just laughed it off and said, yeah, that's cute. Get out of here. Didn't work on him. That's how strong his will is. Also, on top of that, Kingpin, he's a master martial artist because, you know, being big is just not big enough. He's a really great fighter. He's, a let's see, a master of sumo, hapkido, and also a number of other styles, boxing, etc. He's such a great fighter that while unarmed, he took out eight elite fighters from the world in 17 seconds because that's what he does as a training exercise every morning. Literally every morning, as long as he can find the people, he brings in the top fighters that he can find from everywhere, literally flies them in. Have, they all attack him. They have weapons. He doesn't. Takes him out on arm, kills him, of course, and that's before breakfast because, you know, that's what you do. Let's see. Now, because he's such a great fighter, he's got some massive wins over some really notable fighters. So he's beaten the Punisher, who's quite comparable to Asian 47 in quite a number of ways. He's beaten Daredevil a number of times. In fact, this is cool. Their first encounter with uh, Daredevil and Kingpin, Kingpin took out Daredevil in one with one punch. Literally hit him once, took him out. Now, what's even crazier than that is that the Daredevil was trying to get around him, use agility, kind of hit him from behind, and drop kicked him from behind. Daredevil is just standing there, and all that Daredevil realizes is that he almost broke both of his legs by drop kicking the kingpin. That's Daredevil, an insane fighter in the Marvel Universe. Of course, a quote from him in that fight, he says, I'm not even sure he's human, in referencing the kingpin. Let's see, how did Kingpin do against Captain America? Well, in two fights they had, the first one was a draw where he held his own and did great against Captain America, possibly the best fighter within the Marvel Universe. The second fight, Kingpin actually won. He actually got the agile, super tactile, you know, stra- strategic mind of Captain America, trapped him, put him in a bear hug, and was squeezing him so hard, Captain America started blacking out. A clear win for uh, Kingpin in that one. Oh, he even has a win over Spider-Man. Now look, it's true, he's also lost to Spider-Man, but even one win which took place in a random encounter with no prior knowledge just like a who would win fight that counts for a lot the reality is that Agent 47 operates in a really specific way. Typically, he has a contract. He has prior knowledge and some form of information given to him, and he has time to prepare. None of those factors are at play in this particular uh, encounter. So, by the way, you got to ask yourself, how would Agent 47 do against, I don't know, Daredevil, the Punisher, Captain America, and Spider-Man? And the answer is nowhere nearly as well as the Kingpin. That's my point number two. You're saying some good stuff, James, and if I didn't know who you were, I'd say that was a good point. But since I know better, I'm going to go ahead and keep going anyway. Look, Agent 47 has major advantages against Daredevil and Punisher, for example. The Punisher is not genetically enhanced. The Punisher is a guy who fought in the war who went crazy and came home and shot a bunch of people. That is not what Agent 47 is. Agent 47 is an enhanced clone human being. And Daredevil, while he is a very, very powerful fighter and he's very athletic, he won't kill people. Daredevil doesn't want to kill people. Daredevil wasn't trying to kill Wilson Fisk in that battle, which puts Wilson Fisk... If Wilson Fisk knows you can't kill him, he's going to be at a massive advantage. And that's also prior knowledge going into the battle. Look, in the games of Hitman... Agent 47 has shown that he can hand-to-hand combat knock anybody out roughly within about 
three seconds. He does a couple of maneuvers. He's a master of what, what they would call hand-to-hand combat, James. I'm sure you're familiar. I've and he heard can the knock term. anybody unconscious very, very quickly. He loves to use stealth and guile when he is, and style, when he's trying to put these things together. At one point at the end of the Blood Money video game, he faked his own death and is lying in the casket with all of the bad guys of the game around him when his former handler put two silver ballers to be buried with him on his chest and then also gave him a kiss which woke him up with the antidote and he wakes up immediately from death sees everyone around him recognizes the guns and he rips off every single person in that room in roughly what 11 seconds he murders everybody he's sneaky he will absolutely get behind fisk and thankfully he has weapons at his disposal to use he's gonna take care of wilson fisk at a distance because he's not crazy enough to get close excellent points all I'm going to say is that Daredevil does kill on occasion, and Kingpin, according to my research, has wins over people such as Elektra, you know, that assassin who's, you know, girlfriends off and off with Daredevil, and Bullseye, the best marksman possibly and best assassin killer within the Marvel Universe. But all of that is good stuff. So now, Chris, we're at what's called the turning point. You've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Now you have to tell us who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out a win? I'm still going to leave James with a slight edge because we still, I, you know what? In order for Ray to pull this out, he's going to have to prove to me that Hitman is going to have the optimal scenario because right now, based on, based on the facts you guys are throwing down about these two characters, It seems like any kind of traditional combat situation, Kingpin's going to have the advantage simply because of, as as James said, not just his physical attributes, which seem to be on par with Hitman's, but his experience and the fact that he has faced foes. And this could just be because of his pedigree over 50 years of lined up opponents, one after the other. Hitman's got 20 years. And so some of this is just, uh, if I may think back to my rugby days in college, and I was not any good at rugby, but I was, you know, a warm body and they'd throw me out there. And after I was done playing, I read about the team the next year after I'd gone to my senior year and said, that's enough outdoor bar fighting for me, otherwise known as rugby. Mm -hmm. And I read about our team, And this is the University of Georgia rugby team, which won a national tournament the year before. A a tournament I was at, and I played on the B side, and we just mainly was fodder for the opponents to tire them out before they played our A side. So they win this national tournament. Almost the same team the next year plays against an older veteran team from Britain that came over, and they were like twice the age of the guys on the Georgia team, and they demolished them demolished them, not because they were necessarily bigger and stronger and faster. They just knew what they were doing. They had experience. And I thought about that when I'm thinking about an an incredibly accomplished and effective hitman, genetically engineered hitman, against somebody who seems to almost, if not be his equal, perhaps even be slightly more, more intimidating And I'm thinking Kingpin's going to have the edge if there's any kind of close quarters to this. The only way I would think right now, based on what you guys have laid out, is if it is a non-traditional setting, then yes, I would would give Hitman better 
than a puncher's chance. I would give him the advantage. But I don't know that we have that. Mm. So that's where I'm leaning. If this is any kind of a traditional situation, if you just put him in a room, almost even if you put him in a gymnasium, I'm giving the advantage to Kingpin. But if you can give... If Hitman can get some sort of non-traditional terrain and some sort of distance, then he has the advantage. But right now, I'm not seeing it yet. Wow. All right. Two, hmm. two things to say about this. Yeah, this yeah. is interesting. For number one, I'm very familiar with the University of Georgia. I lived in Roswell, Georgia for about eight years. Okay. I came out to L.A. Uh, yeah. I've had my butt handed to me in some fun MMA training with some good old wrestlers from the University of Georgia. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're no joke. No. So all the respect in the world. Played one season of rugby. A lot of fun. I love that analogy. With all of that being said, I may have the uh, a slight advantage with a kingpin. Ray has pulled out some crazy stuff before. I am respecting the ability of Ray, although I don't respect the person. His ability to debate, however, is fantastic. <laughs> Ray, let's see what you got. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Agent 47. Let's talk about and really dwell on the fact that he is a genetically enhanced clone who's made for murder. Now, you talked about the experience. You talked about sort of the older character. It would probably surprise you then to know that Agent 47 was born in the year 1964, and he's actually in his, what, 50s, older than that now at this point because the game sort of happened along in real time. However, because of his cloneness, because of his genetically enhanced abilities, he, much like Captain America, has a body of a man in his 20s, which means you can take somebody who can do all the things and has all the super enhanced Captain America strength of someone in their 20s, but they actually have the experience, knowledge, and wherewithal of somebody in their 50s. And I think that is also very, very important because, look, Chris... As you sit here as a judge and you say, in order for Hitman to win this, he needs to make the fight non-traditional. Well, another person I think who might be involved in this matchup who could figure that out quickly as well is the super intelligent Agent 47 himself. He's not going to put himself. The reason why he has been successful so much is because he has not put himself in a position where something could go wrong. That's the entire point. When he sees a character like Kingpin, he's not going to like walk up to him in a crowded bar and start trying to beat on him. No, he's going to find a different way to drop something on his head. He's going to find a way to knock something like a statue down on top of him like he's done in the games. He's going to find a crowbar and find a speaker, get a high point and drop it on his head. Those are the ways that Hitman is going to win or he's just going to shoot him from a distance with a armor-piercing sniper rifle, which is something that he often will do. One thing that he, that I think Kingpin can't do that Hitman can do is the endurance factor. Big guys tire out quickly, even if they're as muscular as Kingpin, while the smaller guy in the fight has a lot of endurance. In fact, 47 once jumped from an airplane and was in rough waters for seven hours clutching a briefcase, which he did not lose, and over seven hours in rough waters kept himself going and afloat and alive until finally a rescue vessel happened. If you drop Kingpin in rough waters for seven hours, you're going to have a little floating corpse going down the river at the end of it. He does not have the type of endurance that 47 has. Some of the uh, adventures that 47 has had, he beat a character named Mark Parcheesi III, who was a genetically enhanced character, super strong, super big, actually was designed to kill these Hitman clones. Well, Agent 47 got him. In fact, Agent 47 at one point beat 11 
48 clones, right? He beat 11 versions of himself that were better. Later versions of his own clone-ness, he beat 11 simultaneously. These are enhanced superheroic characters on akin to Captain America. It's cool that Kingpin got a draw against Captain America once. Well, he beat 11 of them at the same time. And one of the most important examples comes from, I believe, Hitman Absolution, where there's a character named Sanchez, who's a seven foot six, 440 pound professional wrestler. And Hitman knew that he could take him. He absolutely knew that he could get him despite his giant size because he knew that he just knew how to, looking at watching him fight, he knew that he knew he had the answer. So Hitman walks into the arena as, as a masked luchador wrestler and wrestles Sanchez, punch, bare knuckle punching him and beat this man in 30 seconds without ever being touched. And at the end of the day, broke his arm because he only wanted to get information from him. He wasn't outright trying to kill him, but he needed to know where to go next. And if he can beat a character like that, that sounds a heck of a lot like Kingpin. So I would push back at the idea that if it was a fair fight, he couldn't take him because I do think he can based on that alone. But we also know Agent 47 is not going to let this be a fair fight. He's going to hide in crowds, hide in shadows, hide behind things and pick him off when he's not ready for it, because that's who he is and that's what he does. And that is my point number three. Wow. I'm going to have to use a race to Canis term and say there's a lot of nonsense going on with your point number three. N-O-N-S-I-N-S-E, as they say in Detroit. How dare you? It's true. Now, first of all, you said that, you know, he's genetically enhanced. What are the superhuman capabilities of Agent 47? Sure. He has super strength, as he's proven time and time again. He has super endurance, as I've just shown you. And he has super high levels of a little bit of speed feats, but a lot of endurance feats and a lot of intelligence feats as well. Because when he opens up into a room, he sees it as a world full of boundless opportunities to kill someone and then goes about getting it done. So he's got super strength and you say some super speed, but he's not like a, he's, you think he's a Captain America level for real? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he might be just under Captain America. I mean, Mark Parcheesi III had the super soldier serum in him at the time, and Agent 47 took him down. Got it. And this is like from a universe of non-superhero beings, right? Like, of, So that's why we're saying genetically enhanced. Okay. Now, really important... Let's see. In terms of, you know, it's, it's interesting you said how some of the tactics of Agent 47 are he'll go up somewhere, drop something on someone or what have you. It's funny because that's how uh, Spider-Man tried to feed, uh, fight Kingpin the first time they met. And that's how Kingpin actually beat him by tearing down the building and the staircase that Spider-Man was on, bring him down, crashing the ground and taking him out that way. Don't think that's sure, going to work. But Spider-Man doesn't really kill people, does he? He drops if Spider-Man things on was people. going for, But if he was going for kill shots against Kingpin, that fight might have gone differently. Well, he, actually, the way he hits people, he does hit them super hard. And I'll go to my point number three. But what's really interesting is I, I actually watched the video of that fight against Sanchez. And I got to tell you, a couple things bothered me. Number one, I know that's supposed to look like Danny Trejo a little bit, if I'm not a mistaken. Bit. Yeah. First of all, all the respect in the world to Danny Trejo. They did him no service. I would walk into that cage right now and take on that 7-6 person. That guy sucked. He was horrible. The guy, you know what his, it, it was, it was, it was, it, he should get 
technical martial arts lessons from Andre the Giant because at least Andre the Giant could throw a kick and a punch properly. That character was throwing open hand weird slaps and trying to get him. How can someone who's 200 pounds take down and hold that arm back? Listen, I do that kind of stuff all the time. I will take that guy on. Bet a million dollars on me taking out Sanchez. I will do that in 20 seconds, never mind 30. That's how much I disrespect that feat. Just putting that out there. Yeah, you want to know how he was able to hold that arm down, James? Super strength, like I've been saying. When you brace your body behind your strength, the strength is there, but guess what else? It's your body weight behind it. How much does he weigh? Uh, Roughly 200 pounds. I think he's been cat- clocked in at 187. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So, right, 187, 200 pounds. You're, you're how tall? Seven, six, four, whatever. Yeah, pretty sure you could just stand up and go from there. Trust me. I've done this kind of move before. I understand what's involved. That was a horrible fighter. He looked impressive, but yeah, not a big deal. All right, let me get to my he point. He was a great three. he was a great professional wrestling champion and 47 is super strength as much as you want to pretend he doesn't. That's all Captain well. Captain America's good. only 6 foot. How could he lift 5 tons? Well, James, he's 6. That's cuz he has super strength. He's 62240. Just putting that out there. All right, let me get to my point number 3. The important stuff. Let's just get to it. So just like every other supervillain, the Kingpin has some weaponry and has some cool stuff that he has, some cool types of protection he has when he fights. So let's go over this. He's got a cane or a walking stick. It looks cool, but it's definitely got some kick to it. So in that cane, there's a concealed laser beam weapon that fires energy blasts. Now, how, how powerful these energy blasts? His walking stick, which is named, or the cane named the obliterator, actually can vaporize a handgun, so a pistol, or vaporize someone's head. It can also, let's see, fire a concentrated spray of sleeping gas, because sometimes you want to vaporize someone's head, or maybe have them take a nap, either or, whatever, right? He also carries a firearm, a pistol. I will admit, he's not the marksman Agent 47 is, but he does have that on him concealed. Remember, there's a lot of body there. He can conceal that in a lot of easy spots. All right. His suit, and sometimes what he wears underneath that suit are made out of a special type of advanced Kevlar. Now, this advanced Kevlar is bulletproof, can take a big, actually fairly big explosions, can take a lot of punishment, and also is a very, very stab resistant. So, you know, knives and all that kind of stuff, it's not getting through. That syringe isn't going to do a thing to him. Let's see what else. He's also, you know, got his real armor. And this is the fun part. His real armor doesn't come from his suit. So his real armor is what will be deciding the factor in this battle in a big way. It's his muscle mass. This is kind of cool. So the Marvel official wiki states that, the, and I'm quoting here, the Kingpin's bulk shields him from many forms of injury, either providing padding or causing penetration wounds to only strike him relatively superficially. This is why heavyweight fighters can keep fighting into their 40s, even sometimes in their 50s. They have more muscle mass, more armor. They can take way more punishment. No one has developed this particular factor anywhere near the way the kingpin has let's see uh on top of all this in kingpin's case his muscle mass is enabled to easily take punishment that would have either like severely crippled or killed a regular human by the way that's a direct quote from spider-man he said i've hit him so hard this person should be permanently crippled or at least in the hospital for a long time kingpin just takes it tanks it gets up and he's ready to fight some more there's some other crazy examples of, King- of kingpin being very durable let's see uh another time spider-man tanked him so hard or hit him with such a hard shot kingpin tanked it, got hit through a building, got up, was fine, kept on fighting. Uh, Let's see. Another uh, fight with Spider-Man. A massive building collapses on the kingpin with large metal girders and beams dropping and hitting him. What does he do? He shoves the girders and metal girders, you know, beams aside, gets up, and he tanks all the stuff and keeps on fighting, or at least walks off. In another counter, the kingpin, this is one of my favorite, he gets hit by this character called the Rhino. Now, the Rhino is a super huge kind of Hulk level, not as powerful as a Hulk, but not too far off level villain of Super uh, Spider-Man, I should say. So as he's fighting the Rhino, 
the Spider-Man comes in. Kingpin takes on Spider-Man. Rhino sees his opportunity and smashes into Kingpin from behind, knocks him through a building, and then into a car that gets folded in half around the Kingpin. What's the Kingpin do? He gets up, moves the car aside, and turns to Spider-Man and starts telling him off for getting involved in the fight. That's the kind of fighter he is. Another time, the Kingpin stuck out his arm to block someone from being hit by three super sharp uh, throwing stars. I think they were thrown by Elektra, who's one of the best assassins within the Marvel Universe. And what was the effect? Nothing. He just took him, just kind of flicked him out. He was fine like mosquito bites. It was crazy. Another time, he used his body to protect someone from being shot by a Marvel villain by the name of, I love this, the Bushwhacker. So the Kingpin gets shot three times in the back. What happens? Nothing. He gets. He, he just turns around, looks for something, grabs uh, an improvised garbage lid, and beats the heck out of the bushwhacker. Now, by the way, Ray, just want to let you know, there's no relation to Luke and Butch Bushwhacker, the bushwhacker. I was hoping. Yeah, from the WWE. No bushwhacker was hurt or harmed in this episode of Who Would Win whatsoever. Let's see. He also got stabbed in the back. Let's see. When he wasn't wearing his Kevlar suit, he got stabbed in the back with two katanas, like just plunged into his back. What did he do? He just got up and casually pulled him out, and he was fine because that muscle mass blocked the scientific term is his insidey place. Places. So they were fine, absolutely fine. He's been shot with axes, he's been shot, hit with axes, stabbed, blasted by energy weapons. People have attempted to strangle him, nothing. And let's see, he's been repeatedly hit by severe superhero fueled blunt force trauma from Spider Man, Captain America, and his shield. Remember, he's got to win over Captain America with his shield, and of course, the rhino. And despite all of this, he's fine. So you got to ask yourself this. How would Agent 47 do if he had to be hit through a building like the Rhino did the Kingpin? How would he survive a building with metal girders falling on him? How would he do against Captain America and Spider? Most importantly, how would he get through the Kevlar body armor, super strength, genius intelligence, the speed, and may I dare say the, the body mass and devilish good looks and charm of the Kingpin? The answer is he just won't. That altogether is my point number three. Now, you're, you're going a lot on a lot of limbs right here. Look, that fight against Captain America, he, he had the advantage in that fight, and then Falcon showed up and ended the fight before we could ever get a real, real decision at the end of the day. Curious how you left out the fact that there was no actual final decision in that battle. Weird you would leave that on the cutting room floor, James. So, so different of you. So my point here is, is when this battle all breaks down, let me just tell you, you have one character in Kingpin. He's a big bruising guy who could take a lot of blunt force trauma, but you know what? He's got a lot of those really like padded areas of his body and he wears that Kevlar suit that is really hard to shoot through. But there's a couple areas, say the mouth, the nose and the eyes that he doesn't have a whole lot of muscle. If you're going to tell me he works out his eyeballs, I will concede this fight right now. But because Agent 47 is an expert marksman who will be coming at him with pistols as well as very powerful pistols, as well as a sniper rifle, potentially at some point, the way I see it is Agent 47 is going to take one look at Hitman and he's going to make himself not seen. He's going to get out of there much of the way Daredevil has been able to hide from Kingpin before when they fight. Look, Daredevil has been able to hide from Kingpin and then hit him from all angles and try to knock him out with that blunt force trauma. By the way, Daredevil's beaten Kingpin one-on-one a lot of times as well, lest we forget, and he usually does that through punching and hitting him with a stick. So let's not pretend that Kingpin is totally invulnerable. Agent 47 is going to make himself scarce. He's going to work his way around because you've got to remember this. Agent 47 will always know where Kingpin is at all times because of the instinct, but Kingpin will often not know where Agent 47 is. And you can't grab what you can't see because you don't know where it is. So Agent 47 is going to work himself into a situation where he either changes outfits to take Kingpin by surprise or just hide in shadows, hide in plain sight, hide in a place that Kingpin won't be able to find him. 
and he's going to put a few rounds into his eye socket. Sorry, kids at home. And he's going to bring down the kingpin. Again, there's a reason he's never unfulfilled a contract. And that's because he figures out a way at the end of the day. Because he's smarter than us, and he sees the battlefield better than anybody else, and he always finds a way. You know, the only thing I'm going to concede here, the only thing I'm going to concede, and you've made a really good point with this, Ray, and I hate even saying this, is I do think Agent 47 is a is more of a fashionista, is that the term, than the kingpin. Fair. I think I will concede that point in alone. What I'll also say is that a lot of different things, a lot of variables have to come in play for Hitman to win. If this happens, if he has the right terrain, if he gets this, if he sees what the kingpin is, if he can figure out something, there's a lot of ifs. And every time you add an if, the possibility of a successful outcome diminishes, diminishes, but diminishes. All, James, King, all kingpin about- has to do is hit Agent 47 once, grab him once, and it's done. With that being said, kingpin's James, got this. We, we, James, we put this in a neutral location, which means it's equally good for both of them. So we're not pretending we're fighting in a phone booth here where I think Hitman has a disadvantage. We are fighting in a place where both of them have a chance to do what they do, which means there's going to be some open areas for Kingpin and there's going to be plenty of hiding spots for Agent 47. Right. It's a location they've never been to before, which means Agent 47 doesn't have time to plant something there. He doesn't need to. In the Berlin mission of Hitman 3... Last thing, and we'll go to it, but in the Berlin mission of Hitman 3, Agent 47 was put into a German underground rave nightclub with 10 ICA agents who knew exactly who he was, what he looked like, and would see through any disguise, and they wandered around trying to find him, and he picked all of them off one by one in the mission without being seen, and this is a place he'd never been to before in a situation with people who were actively looking for him and had a sad training in a nightclub with lights that weren't always on with lots of other people and he was able to hide in the crowd that is fantastic that's called something we've all done many times all of that's great stuff ray but now we got to get to a decision chris you've heard three points from ray possibly four or five you've heard three points from me now it's the time for you to work your magic take us through your process and tell us who wins this fight between agent 47 and the kingpin well again the points that you both made in, in describing the strengths of each character fall, in almost every regard, in my opinion, heavily on the side of the kingpin. Not because Agent 47 isn't phenomenal at what he does, but because kingpin, in the world that he has been created and, and, and continuously written, just always seems to find a way to come out on top. No matter what you throw at him, either it's his natural body bulk, either it's his incredible cunning, or his experience, or just the fact that he um, just doesn't seem to be bothered by being challenged. I mean, who else would have somebody fly in 17 assassins a day? Is it 17? I can't remember. You know, you lose count after nine or 10. It's fair. You know, fair. then you just want to have your scrambled eggs and get on with the day, right? So it, it falls heavily on the side of the kingpin. And yet, I, I, was, I was struck by the genetically modified nature of Agent 47, meaning they, they really, you know, you don't genetically modify something haphazardly. You don't put it out into the world until you've got it where you want it. And Agent 47 has never failed to fulfill a contract. And again, 
when you talk about getting these two together to have them fight, if it's anything other than non-traditional terrain, Kingpin, I think, wins not just easily, but I think he wins quickly. But the thing that... and and. Up to that moment, I was with Kingpin to the point where I wouldn't even bother taking bets on it. I would say, I don't want to take your money. But Hitman does not fight unless there is a chance for him to produce the outcome that he has to have. And that means there won't be a fight unless Hitman is capable of being Hitman. And to your point, Ray... Even if you drop him into a situation where he's never been, he, uh, he simply is able to use perhaps as his genetic engineering to immediately find a way. Perhaps it's like Terminator. He just, it's, a heat, it's a heat-seeking signature that he sees the world through, so he immediately figures out the algorithm to produce the outcome he needs. And even, even with that on Agent 47's side, I would say, but yeah, but he, he's got to hit a perfect shot. Every square inch of Kingpin's body is practically bulletproof, but my brief martial arts history included um, Krav Maga, and I took it almost 20 years ago, and I got up to level three, like Orange Belt, but I remember... And I took it at the National Training Center. So the guys teaching us were running seminars on knives. They would teach cops. They taught us throat punches. I mean, on day one, they taught us how to get out of a headlock. And by the end of the class, they were blasting speed metal music, turning off the lights, saying, shut your eyes. Now you find someone to choke. So it was craziness. And one of the days we were there... One of the instructors brings in a bunch of oranges he had cut in half. And he said, come out to the alley. We're doing eye gouges. And the reason why is because it doesn't matter where you hit somebody on their body. This will end it. And this will end it. And if you're going to tell me that you have two guys who one is practically the unstoppable force in Agent 47 and the other is the immovable object. At this point, I'm almost going to go with the immovable object. But if you're going to tell me that Hitman does not engage unless there is an element he can exploit, And if he just doesn't miss, if he can throw a screwdriver and hit you exactly where he needs to hit you to kill you. And yes, if you cannot work out eyeballs, I got to go with Hitman. Oh, my thank you very much. I I think I think the only way the fight happens is if Hitman wins. Otherwise, the fight doesn't happen. Chris, as someone who has taught Navy SEALs, who has taught all of this kind of stuff, which is part of my background. You are so horribly incorrect. It's ridiculous. Although I do respect your decision. (laughs) I'm going to say you're wrong on many different levels, but. But I have my reasons. Now, here's the thing. I will say this. The distance. Here's my biggest thing I had with Hitman. If he can make distance, that was the big if for me. If Kingpin grabs him, right, and he can somehow evade his grasp, and that's all he needs to know. Like, I need to stay away from this monster and then keep that distance. That's the key for Hitman. There is a chance that Hitman could win. It's a small chance. Kingpin's got – he's faced – much more powerful, genetically engineered uh, marks people, marksmen, whatever you want to call them within the Marvel Universe. Got to disagree with your great decision, by the way, but got to disagree with it. Ray, what are your thoughts on this? 
My thoughts are that Chris Edgerly is a, 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 a true G, a great human being, very, very smart. You know, I said before that Agent 47 was genetically enhanced to be super intelligent. I actually have to take that back. He's super intelligent, second only to our judge today, Chris Edgerly. That's fair. That, I, I will say the intelligence of Chris came out a number of times in today's episode. As much as I disagree with the uh, outcome, I do I do love how you, you kind of put everything together. The uh, use of the rugby analogy was really cool. I loved – actually, I love the uh, – I used to train bugies, like eye gouges with you know Wing Chun Kung Fu and all that. I love yeah. the whole orange. I, re- I got to tell you, I actually love that whole story. That was awesome. Uh, even <laughs> yeah. though, again, I disagree with your decision. <laughs> so, well, I will say, James – You're allowed to disagree. Yeah. You're, you're, James, you're allowed to disagree. You're wrong about so much else. You may as well be wrong about that, too. <laughs> I, I have. I like to say on occasion, I like to say, you know, I could be wrong and frequently am. And uh, it's uh, possible <laughs> I'm wrong here. I will say that I would not like my chances with James inside the octagon. Oh, no. So, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm very I'm too nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm too nice. No, I, I got to tell He's you. very cuddly. I am cuddly. Yeah. Um, you've seen the videos. So here's the thing. I, I do think uh, I would never want to fight you. You survived a one-on-one encounter as Abe Lincoln versus uh, Betty White. Betty White. I yeah. actually repped Abe Lincoln versus George Washington in a previous battle and got a win Ooh. for Abe Lincoln over George Washington. You're saying you were him and still somehow survived against Betty White. My hat is off to you, good sir, is all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, that's a feat. That's a feat. That's well, a feat. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that George Washington, <laughs> uh, Abe Lincoln, because I would go with GW all the way on that one. We, we kind as of would I, Chris, as would we, I. We took yeah. a little bit of a right turn or wrong turn <laughs> in our last points, yeah. but we'll, more on that. The episode got weird. I don't know what happened. Yeah, no yeah. idea. No idea. It's all good, all right. though. Chris, I got to tell you, you were awesome. You were fantastic. We loved having you on. Uh, you're a mensch. You're a man's man. The whole good, good thing. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and enjoy all of your work. Well, I, uh, I do not do a whole lot of social media-ing, but I do have a YouTube channel that I've barely touched in the last few months because I stopped streaming. But every now and then, I'll throw something up there, and that's uh, The Edge Voice, a.k.a. or it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. And you can also find me on Twitter, at Chris Edgerly, and uh, I tweet uh, semi-occasionally. Very cool. That's about the same amount of time that Ray wins these battles. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> How dare you? It's true. Ray, I got to tell you, you did a great job today. You snatched this one. You snatched this one away from me. I'm, I'm resentful. I'm angry. But I'm also kind of impressed to say the least. Well done today. Uh, tell everyone how you're feeling and tell everyone where they can find you. Well, first off, let me just say right now, obviously, when we talk about Apex Legends, as this is the July of Apex, we can all talk about how Pathfinder was the first character I ever played in Apex Legends when I first tried it out on day one when it first came out, and I lost horribly, so sorry, Chris, about that. <laughs> I did my best. I wasn't very good. That being said, what a wonderful decision. I'm not going to lie. I was extra nervous going into my point number three. I thought I might be in deep, deep trouble. But I also know that when your back's against the wall, when the chips are down and you need someone dead, Agent 47 is a decent horse to ride. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Well done, guys. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. And also, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you go to listen or watch your fun podcast and video content. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I can't believe I lost this one. Now, on behalf of myself, Ray Stacanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, 
Thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.